This podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Heidi Alice Roberts. And welcome to the final Summer of Sharks episode. Thank you so much for sticking with us through these choppy waters for the last 10 weeks or so. Hope you've enjoyed it and um, we're going to end on a high. Yeah, hopefully because we're going to be trapped with Blake Lively in the shallows. And as I'd said before we launched into Mitch Bain's excellent Summer of Sharks theme music, the final Summer of Sharks movie is going to be The Shallows, starring Blake Lively and directed by Jaime Cole Serra. Now, in recent weeks, we've been heavily relying on the brilliant Nick Reganis to provide us with synopses for all these shark movies. Would it be too much to ask that Nick actually provided one for The Shallows? Well, he has got a synopsis for this movie, no surprises there. As I say, the king of shark movie synopsis, and we're very grateful to Nick Reganis for providing us with these very interesting roundups of these films. I know you don't know his Nick Reganis, but thank you. Yeah, big up to you, Nick. So what does he have to say about The Shallows? Still unable to come to terms with a personal tragedy, Nancy, a medical school dropout and athletic surfer, seeks solace in her late mother's secret surfing spot in Sundrent's Baja, California. Indeed, this is the perfect hideaway, and as Nancy rides the glorious waves one after another, a silent and sudden attack from below throws the gravely wounded holidaymaker into the water, reminding her that this is the realm of a feared apex predator. The slate grey, great white shark. <laughs> Now, atop a small rock protrusion, a mere 180 metres from the shore, it's woman against nature in a desperate battle of survival under the scorching sun and cold starry sky. However, has anyone escaped from the powerful and razor-sharp jaws of the bloodthirsty Leviathan? Yep, you can almost rely on Nick to provide a great synopsis. And unlike last time's movie, which was great synopsis, terrible film, this week is great synopsis, Pretty damn good movie. Yeah, this is my first viewing of The Shallows and wow, it really does take your breath away. This film is highly suspenseful, very intense and it goes to show um, what you can achieve with such a minimalist story with one character essentially fighting for survival when you've got a strong performance and you've just got all these elements in the right place, as I say, from the the suspense, the shark itself, and again, the beautiful scenery. Like, this is hands down the best cinematography in a shark movie that I have seen since we started this series. 
it is just beautiful and it really made me just want to go to that beach obviously i'd avoid the shark but the actual beach itself just looked incredible so yeah this film i would describe as survival horror meets shark terror it's directed by the same director who directed the house of wax from 2005 and also orphan as well so those are two great horror films in my eyes um i didn't realize that until after the movie so um this is obviously a director that i'm very much on board with yeah he's got a good pedigree he's done quite a few impressive horrors and thrillers he knows what makes audiences tick in terms of tension and suspense and he brings all of that to the table here and you're right it's just basically a single character battling the shark for most of the movie but whereas last week's movie just made nothing of that it's constantly reinventing ways to keep you in suspense and it doesn't feel like it's reaching at any point everything happens organically as a main character Blake Lively is excellent you side with her from minute one she's very sympathetic she isn't stupid they don't have her make ridiculous decisions of course she's a med student so when she initially gets injured she can stitch herself up so otherwise you know she bleeds to death end of movie so you have to have some nods to her character traits but it isn't a movie that you kind of constantly checking yourself saying oh that's ridiculous that wouldn't happen you know that's a stupid decision why is she doing that they actually have a fairly strong and pretty smart female lead and it's just a really good exercise in suspense and considering there's a limitation on the amount of stuff that can happen to her they don't pull anything out of the bag that you just think well this is just getting stupid now she she uses the environment to her advantage and she makes some smart decisions about how the shark feeds and what its swimming patterns are. So this builds up over time. It's a lot smarter, I think, than anybody gives the shallows credit for. It's a good suspense movie, but it's also pretty well written and it's really well acted and it doesn't plumb the depths of ridiculousness that some of the other shark movies do. Yeah, yeah, there are, you know, there's some heightened sequences where... Blake Lively's taking on the shark and you get this whole thing where there's the odd sequence where you think well could she outswim it the jury's out on that one but people can't just never outswim sharks in these sort of movies because there'd be an awful lot of people getting eaten in it and certainly when you've got one actress and a couple of secondary characters then you know there's a limit to the amount of people that can get eaten there are some people that do and it's not the people who again make daft choices it's just people who unwittingly stumble or surf into the lair of the shark when they're not expecting it. I mean, there's a particularly good moment where there's a guy who is stealing Blake Lively's stuff off the beach. You just think, well, this guy should be helping her, but he thinks it's an opportunity to swipe her phone and her money. But then he sees a surfboard drifting out in the water and you just think, I'll go on, get the surfboard, because I know what's coming next. Yeah, although that scene is a little bit of a goof, because, and I didn't think about it during the movie, it was after when I was like researching into it, is we see this man's half-eaten body just wash up on the beach, and then following that, other characters appear on the beach, and the body is nowhere to be seen. 
So I think that is the only kind of suspension of disbelief you have in the movie. But it's not a big deal because this movie is just so engaging from start to finish that you can just forgive it for that because it's mainly your focus is on rooting for Blake Lively's character, Nancy. Um, she's very resourceful. She's very strong. She just goes through such an ordeal and it's really like touch and go at so many points in this movie. Is she going to survive? But I think that's just what makes it so compelling because as I say, you empathise with her, you want her to be able to reach the shore, you want someone to be able to come and help her, but she she basically does the best she can and it's it's very engaging to watch. There are some wince-inducing moments of gore in this film. It's a very visceral film and it's quite realistic in how um, they play out. So when she's first attacked by the shark, it has bitten into her leg. So, of course, she has got this massive gash and blood coming out. And then, obviously, because she is a medical student, she's got that expertise in, in how to, in how, in how, how to like, kind of look after herself. And it's just the scene where she takes her earrings out to kind of stitch up her leg, which obviously doesn't sound like the most pleasant thing and it really is grueling to watch but it's the way she kind of talks to herself as if how she would talk to a patient and I thought that was really cleverly done as I say there's like no exposition as such in this movie um in terms of the dialogue I was reading that when um they were making it they did have more moments where she was talking to this lone seagull that has um, hurt its wing and is sat on the rock with her we'll get to the awesome seagull in a bit Apparently, the filmmakers didn't think it was really working and it was just a bit ridiculous that she was talking so much and relaying all this exposition to the seagull. So they didn't really need that. And I think I'm really glad they took that out because I think less is more in this film. The shark, we need to talk about the shark. It only has four minutes of screen time, or she, should I say. Mm. This time, it's a female shark. Um, I'm not sure if we've had a female shark before in any of these movies that we've covered, but I thought this was really interesting. The decision for this was because apparently female sharks are bigger and scarier looking. So um, I thought that was really interesting. And of course, you've got that dynamic there where it's woman against female shark as well, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think they said that um, female sharks look scary because they have all sorts of scars and marks on them from when they've mated. So it makes them look even more terrifying because they've got kind of all sorts of bits of damage on them, which makes them kind of look even more grizzled. And the shark is really good in this movie. I mean, we generally complain about the standard of CGI sharks in this movie, but to be honest, it's pretty convincing in this one. And I think it's partly to do with how great the director is at staging suspense, but you have to have a pretty decent effect for the shark as well for it to work and i think this is more convincing than a lot of the shark movies that we've seen it's sold by the fact that blake lively is such a good actress anyway and you kind of want her to get through this ordeal and the whole thing about her talking to the seagull yeah she does it very occasionally and it's kind of just throwaway remarks but i agree having her talk to this seagull as a almost a character would have taken you out of it because it's the focus really is on her ordeal and whether she can make it out alive or not and having her stop to give you exposition or reaction to this seagull i think it would have 
cheapened the suspense a bit. I think it would have taken you out of the movie, which I think it's, again, yeah, good decision by the filmmakers. And I hadn't spotted the fact that that guy's half-eaten body wasn't seen again because I was so wrapped up in the movie, I just didn't even notice that after he'd been taken by the shark. So I'd seen this at the cinema. I think it was a late Friday night show, and I don't think there was a lot of people in there. But it was that sort of movie where dark cinema, this sort of movie is absolutely perfect. And certainly when you've not got a load of people blabbing on and you can get really into it in a really quiet auditorium. I was really invested in this and I loved it when I saw this at the cinema. Doesn't quite have the same impact at home, but it's still pretty good. Oh, I don't know. I was really, really invested in it. And I was watching it on my small television. But yeah, it still didn't take away from me. I think if I'd seen it in the cinema and there was a disruptive audience, that would have been dreadful because this is the type of movie that you just really need to focus on and invest in. So as we've already discussed, there is a seagull in this film and seagull is quite an integral character really to the plot because it represents like her isolation and has um, something there with her that she can relate to with, with her predicament. She named this the seagull Stephen Seagull, but the seagull's real life name is Sully. And this is quite a nice um, fact about the movie. He lives to this day in a seagull sanctuary in Australia. And there were two extra seagulls that were used to portray him as well. According to the uh, producer, she added, they were all good, but not nearly as good as him. Peggy was the vocal one, very squawky bird. Gaviota, which means seagull in Spanish, I think he's almost 30. Stephen is estimated to be about 15 or 20 years old. The most challenging thing about Sully as an actor is that seagulls are remarkably clean. They self-clean a lot, so the blood on Sully, obviously fake blood, he kept wanting to clean it off, so we had to deal with that. And also, I think um, the scene where Nancy is uh, helping the seagull with his wing... And he repays her by biting her finger, because obviously he's in a bit of pain there. That was all genuine, and Blake's reaction to that scene was genuine as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, you'd just imagine they would probably go for a CGI bird, but I think that is quite nice that they had like um, an animal sanctuary bird for the part. And uh, it just brings a bit more authenticity to it. Yeah, Stephen the Seagull is just great. He's one of the best characters in this. And you're right. The fact that they're using a real seagull, I think that if they'd have tried to do it CGI, I don't think it would have worked. I think you'd have spotted the fact that it wasn't a real bird and the fact that he does seem a very naturalistic actor, which is quite weird. And to be honest, I mean, normally seagulls, I mean, I, I spend a, a reasonable amount of my time at, at, at the seaside and the seagulls there are, are absolute bastards. They'll just <laughs> steal chips and dive bomb people. But... I didn't actually want anything bad to happen to Stephen. And you're kind of wondering towards the end because he's floating off on his little piece of driftwood and you're thinking like, oh God, I hope the shark doesn't get him though. And they kind of play on that fact. You know, there's a very long shot of him drifting away. And you're just thinking any minute now, the shark's going to come for him. I'm going to spoil it. I was so glad that he made it to the end. Me too. I was like, yes, they avoided the truth. <laughs> That's another um, something that works in it. This film's favour for us. Yeah. Oh, there's some amazing sequences though. It just gets more and more suspenseful as it progresses. And there's a sequence where there is um, these jellyfish under the water, and she has to kind of 
swim to dodge them but hopefully uses them as kind of prey for the shark so the shark can kind of get stung by them so it's kind of based on her survival so she's got one problem where she is trying to um, survive this shark and then she's got these jellyfish in her way as well which she has to try and avoid but also that could help her in order to stun the shark and hopefully make a getaway and of course she's got her leg that has been bleeding there is the threat of the gangrene as well she's in a really bad way but she just keeps on fighting and it's just that I think even though this is you know a shark movie it's also such a story of survival sometimes you forget the shark element because you're so focused on how is she going to get away and you really do kind of focus in on her character with that so yeah I think I just think this film is just incredible and with that sequence with the jellyfish apparently she actually swam in a dark tank and they used like CGI well they had light bulbs but then they had like CGI to obviously convey the jellyfish so I think that would be quite intense to film really because Mm. obviously if you're in the pitch black water but Blake Lively more or less did a lot of her own stunts on this apart from the surfing they had a professional surfer in um to teach her a bit of that but obviously to make it look a bit more realistic because obviously that's not her expertise the other fact about uh blake lively taking this role as well was she was inspired by her husband ryan reynolds he'd made a film called buried many years before and um it was such a grueling experience but such a rewarding one so she wanted to be able to make a similar film so i thought that was quite a cool fact as well yeah, I mean, she's pretty committed to the role. In fact, there's a bit at the end where she gets hit in the face and her nose starts bleeding. It's a fairly hefty thwack to the schnoz. And that really happened. That happened on set and they kept it in. And the fact that you see Blake Lively's nose bleeding quite profusely, that actually happened and she just continued with it. So a bit of a trooper there. Certainly committed to the cause there. Big up to her for getting them to leave that in the movie because i mean you feel the impact of it you just think how did they do that well it happened for real she really did get it in the nose i really like this movie i think it's such a well put together piece of suspense and it does prove that you don't need to have a massive body count for everything to work and in the final act you pretty much get treated to a pretty much 15 to 20 minute face-off between blake lively and the shark where they're both trying to outwit each other and you kind of know where it's going, but at the same time you think, is she going to get out? Because they put her in so many predicaments. You just think, is the next one going to be the one that finally does for her? And you kind of want her to get out of it, but at the back of your mind you're thinking, this movie hasn't had a lot of respect for its supporting characters, so what's it going to do with the main one? Yeah, and I think the way the movie begins as well, it's kind of bleak. It's a child playing on the beach and he finds the helmet from one of the surfers that contains a camera attached to it. At the beginning, we just see the attack on these two surfers. So we're aware, obviously, things don't end well for them. But later, as the movie progresses, Blake's character has found this camera and she's been able just to say who she is. And, you know, if you find this, this is what's happened to me. So we don't know at that point whether it's too late by the time that child has found that piece of equipment. So that adds, again, to the intensity and the suspense of the piece. But yeah, it's it's just honestly gut-wrenching throughout. You're just going to be on... I was, I was on the edge of my seat 
throughout this film and I hadn't read into it at all before watching it so just went with it I think yeah if you've been listening to this obviously you've had it spoiled for you basically but um <laughs> I would say go into this without any spoilers in advance because it's again one that you have to experience I don't know if a second viewing would kind of take it away take away from it because you know what's happening um a bit like the first Saw movie does for me but no, this this was a stunning piece of work, an excellent shark film, a shark movie done right. It's serious, but it does it really well. It doesn't go into stupid territory in any at any stage. And I think one of the reasons for this is the minimal appearances of the shark. Again, we're going back to Jaws here, where the shark wasn't featured. It's just more the atmosphere of it. And, and the sense of it being there without showing it constantly. So I think if I had to say, like, out of all the shark movies we've watched, this is probably the best-looking shark that we've had. Props to Jaws for trying to pioneer the animatronic shark, and we know where that kind of looks convincing and not, but, yeah, this looks a pretty good shark in this one. Second viewing for me, pretty, still pretty good. I mean, I knew what was coming, but I think the suspense still works, and... There's this kind of weird flip that happens in the final act where I knew exactly how it gets resolved, but I was so caught up in the final act, you kind of, I don't know, your subconscious suddenly sort of tricks you into thinking, hang on, is this this going to end badly? Now, I'm sure it doesn't end badly, but it's kind of looking bad. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just how my mind works. It's just like, oh, you know, maybe she doesn't get out this time. I've got a lot of time for this movie. It's so well put together and it's really good on every single level. There's nothing ropey about it at all. It's just a really quality piece of entertainment. It's the sort of stuff that was perfect for my Friday late trips to the cinema because I always went to see something scary late on Friday night. And this is pretty bloody scary. Yeah, if you were put in this situation yourself, it, the, just the thought of it is utterly terrifying where um, you're stranded in the middle of the ocean, you have nothing really apart from like the kind of wetsuit on your back for survival more or less, and you have to be resourceful with what you have and it, it would be a terrifying situation to be in, even if you exclude the shark from the equation as well. So I think... They did a fantastic job with this movie. I'd highly recommend it. I think I probably would watch it again, but I think it would have to be over a certain amount of time because I don't think it's one you can revisit too often, but it's one that is, is wholly worth seeing. And if you're a fan of the shark movie genre, yeah, this is definitely top quality, high standard. So interestingly, IMDb have only given it a 6.3 out of 10. I think it deserves a lot more than that. I would give it about a 9, I think. Um, I, I just loved it so much. And then Rotten Tomatoes, 59% audience score. No, I think it definitely deserves better than that. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I mean, were they what were they looking at? I mean, 59%? Yeah, it's, it's an okay score, but I would have thought they would have enjoyed it more than that. Was it because it was strong female lead was it just a lot of bros went into this movie and thought oh you know it's a it's a girl doing all this action stuff i'm not really into all of that stuff i i'm not going to try to put myself into the mindset of moviegoers but i can't see how you would go into this movie and not enjoy it on at least some level because it works it gets out of there pretty quickly i think it's only like 86 minutes so 
it doesn't hang about. So yeah, I mean it's just another strange score from the Rotten Tomatoes universe. I just, I, I mean, I, I've given up trying to second guess them. <laughs> yeah, it's just an interesting kind of figure to look at. But you know, we always like share our opinions on these scores and know whether we agree or disagree because it's always fun. So before we close out on this podcast, we're obviously at the end of Summer of Sharks. It has been just an ocean of complete adventure. We've watched the good, the bad, and the ugly, I think it's fair to say, yep. <laughs> um, throughout this series. But I think we've um, both had such a good time venturing into these shark-infested waters. So to close out, I think we're going to give you our roundup of our top three shark movies that we've covered in the series each. So, Darren, would you like to go first? Okay, right. In third place... I'm going to give it to The Shallows, which I think is an excellent movie and stands head and shoulders above most shark films. In second place, personal favourite of mine, and I know that it might not have aged that well, but I'm a massive fan of it. Deep Blue Sea in second, it's such a good movie. And I don't care that it's a little bit problematic in places, but I mean, it's of its time and it's it's a great action movie and it's got some proper scares in it. And at number one, I mean, you can't not give Jaws number one. It's the best shark movie of all time. I know it's a pretty lazy way to close out by saying Jaws is the number one, but there you have it. Jaws is the number one. And for me, um, I'm going to give an honourable mention to Sharknado 2 because I had an amazing time with that film. It would have been in my top three, but as we progressed with this series, it did get knocked off its spot there. But yeah, I had such a good time. It was just absolute silliness and I was there for it. Interestingly, even though we didn't know each other's um, scores with this, but my number three is taking us back to the 1990s, which is Deep Blue Sea, because again, it is a good time. It's very much, you know, aged not so well, but I I think it was just that nostalgic effect that it had. Um, it just takes you back to that kind of era. And yeah, it's, it's just, I think it is the nostalgic aspect and LL Cool J, Sharks Fin, Deepest Blue. What more do you want? Number two is The Shallows because it's absolutely fantastic and I'm really glad that we ended on a high by covering this movie. And then, of course, predictably, number one is Jaws. First shark movie I ever watched. It is the best shark movie of all time. It basically set the genre up and we would not have had the rest of these movies without it and it is a utter masterpiece. So let us know in the comments which shark movies are your favourites? Um, we'd love to know out of the ones we've covered and or if you've got any other recommendations for shark movies that you enjoy as well. So we'd love to hear from you. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 36 of the HD Movie Podcast and it also brings an end to our Summer of Sharks miniseries. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed these episodes, give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. I'm quite sad that we've come to the end of Summer of Sharks because it's been a great time. But I think I'm ready to branch out into other movies now as uh, it's been a, you know interesting 10 weeks. But it's, it's time for change. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe next summer we could have Summer of Sharks, the sequel. Let's see what happens.
I think we will. So we're moving on to a very special episode for episode 37. This coincides with somebody on this podcast celebrating their birthday. And it's not me, so that means it's Darren. And now Darren has the pick of the movies for next week's podcast. So what are we going to be covering to celebrate your your birthday? Predictably, then I'm going to be picking a movie that's got Barbara Crampton in it because I'm a massive Barbara Crampton fan. And if Barbara Crampton was appearing in a movie about tarmac then i would probably think oh it's a tarmac movie but it's got barbara crampton in. i'll go and watch that so what we're going to cover is the shudder release jacob's wife which has got quite a lot of anticipation surrounding it so i'm hoping it's going to be a pretty good movie it's a vampire movie it's got barbara crampton in it where do i sign up And of course, we will be doing a second movie as well from the realms of Shudder. And uh, Darren can tell us also a little bit more about why he's chosen this next one. Uh, This was a movie that I saw when it first came out on VHS. And it's so silly and it's so campy and it's right up my street. And it's kind of horror adjacent, but it's not too scary. It's the absolutely brilliant, in my view, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yep. So I'm looking forward to revisiting Elvira because it is such a good time. And also checking out Jacob's Wife because, as you say, there's a lot of buzz around it and um, we love a good vampire film on this podcast. So bring it on. I'm looking forward to seeing two very much iconic ladies of horror in one episode. Yeah, Cassandra Peterson and Barbara Compton, you can't beat it. So until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bain. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.